I did say may may your will be done, not mine. And it was this instantaneous, uh, incredible peace and joy. It was palpable. It was it was one of those things that um, I haven't really experienced uh, since. Welcome to the Open Door Policy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Emily Mentock, and I'm joined by... Father Patrick Gagno. Hi, Father Patrick. How do you do, I'm Emily? I'm good. How are you? Hey, welcome back from summer I break. Know. I can't believe summer's flying by already. It's going to be September soon. Now we have, the, we have the fun of doing that thing we used to do in school. What did you do on your summer vacation, Emily? <laughs> oh, I, well, I did take a little summer vacation at the end of July. That was uh-huh. really nice. I haven't gone on a truly unplugged vacation since the start of the pandemic because things have been so crazy and working remotely you can always take your work with you but i actually it was me and a former odp guest laura canaus ah. we did a little road trip from portland down to san cool. jose uh in along the oregon wow. and california coast and uh we were driving through the redwoods didn't have any cell service and it was a great little unplugged vacation oh praise the lord now in honor of hall of fame retired open door policy uh, co-host Danielle Center and Father Steve Post. Woo. Woo, woo. I'm gonna do my own. I'm gonna do my own rapid fire. Here we okay. go. Rapid fire uh, summer vacation questions. Okay, Emily, when you went on your when you went on your summer vacation, what was the best meal you had? Oh, the first night we had this amazing Thai food uh, right on the water in somewhere in Oregon. Mm-hmm. It was great. Praise the Lord. What was the most wonderful thing you saw with your eyes? Oh, the redwood trees. I thought I had high expectations, and they still exceeded them. Okay, what was the part of your vacation that you could have done without? Oh, coming home. <laughs> no, just kidding. Oh, <laughs> so it was, it was wonderful. We had to change our plans a little bit, I guess, maybe because of um, the wildfires in Southern Oregon. So mm-hmm. we, we really hugged the coast, but that turned out to be a blessing because yeah. it was really beautiful. I always said I wasn't like an oh, ocean I person. It. I love the desert, but it turns out I do love the ocean. So. Oh, glory to God. Hey, my favorite thing to do in the summer, my favorite vacation, summer vacation is for me, I think in Michigan, when you get up north and you got the lakes, uh, it's just majestic. So every summer I go with a group of friends and we go fish a little bit and hang out a little bit. And so my favorite thing that I saw with my eyes though, I found this spot, I was out walking at night, totally pitch black and dark and these huge pine trees and just the stars were so beautiful. And I just felt like Abraham when God was like, look at the stars in the sky. And, you know, just thinking about God's promise to Abraham and his promise to me that I'll be his beloved son. I'll inherit eternal life. And what a joy it is to be alive on the face of the earth in this day and age and be able to, to serve the Lord Jesus and spread his kingdom. And then the best meal I had was uh, hands down some good old, uh, it was good old salmon. I love some salmon, especially when you're fishing. Did you fish for I it? Did, did you catch, catch it? Oh. The salmon. <laughs> no, the things I caught weren't big enough to eat. They were bait. So, and the, and the thing I could have done without was, uh, uh, I don't know, gosh, a um, little bit of sunburn. That's it. Oh. So awesome though. But don't you just love the gift of summer and a little bit of time off? It is. It is such a gift. And, you know, growing up in a college mm-hmm. town, I felt like I've been living on the academic year forever. So I, I thought that mm-hmm. maybe if it, I wondered if it would fade, but it was, it's still nice to have a little summer break. I think you just to enjoy the great outdoors. So. Well, as I alley-oop it to you for the transition, yes. I, just, I do think we got to sneak in a question for our awesome guest who grew up in Poland. Well, I wonder what they would do like for quote unquote summer vacation over there. 
So over to you, Emily. Yeah, so today we are super excited to be joined by Marek Jakoinski. Uh, we are, he is a par parishioner at Our Lady of the Lakes and a super talented photographer. And just to help you audience get to know him a little bit better, as Father Patrick mentioned, he grew up in Poland and came to the US after high school to be a missionary. Um, so mm. what an incredible story. I'm sure we're gonna get more into that. Uh, another fun fact is that he had not gone skydiving or uh, if he had not gone skydiving with a World War II parachute when he was 16 years old, he may not have ended up in the U.S. So that's not something that everybody can say, that they've gone skydiving with a World War II parachute. Um, and also that he used to sleep uh, on the floor used to sleep on the floor wow. before I, maybe now he's graduated to a bed. So would love to hear more about that, that humility in the, in that story as well. So without wow. further ado, we're happy to welcome Marek Jakoinski. Howdy guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks for coming. Jinkuya. <laughs> ah, perfect accent. My one oh. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. That was Hi, very Eric. good. Thanks for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, and to answer Father, maybe we can start with Father Patrick's first question. What would you do for summer break in post-communist Poland? Yeah, you know, uh, this will be kind of hard to explain without seeing an image. For those who are listening, you have to look up a car called 126P. It's a Fiat 126P. So picture a vehicle that's about as tall, um, it's maybe like three feet tall, uh, it's probably the size of a smart car, just a little bit shorter, maybe just a tiny bit longer. And then picture five people in that car. Oh my gosh. And a thing on a and a and a big bag on a roof that's the height of a car and then going to Germany. Uh, so we've done that uh, maybe twice with, with my parents. Wow. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that or there's a there's some we have some beautiful landscapes in Poland too. So if you go north, uh, west, there's Baltic Sea, and we used to go there quite a bit. It's just gorgeous. And then if you go south, you have Tatra Mountains. And I used to go there with my friends as well. Oh, so beautiful. I've never been to Poland. Have you been, Father yeah. Patrick? No, it was I had I was scheduled and then COVID uh canceled the trip. But Merrick, I would love to go to Poland. Does your oh, does yeah. your heart still long for, for Poland now and again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Let me know when uh when you want to come. I'll I'll hook you up. Oh, that's amazing. And before we get into your testimony on how you came to know the Lord and uh, walk with him as a joyful missionary disciple, I'd love to hear about your current state in life. You're a married man with several children. Tell us about uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a wife, obviously, right? And four kids. Um, I actually mm -hmm. may, met my wife. She was a missionary, too. And uh, uh, maybe we'll get to it um, if, if you're interested in that part of the story. But that's kind of how we oh, met, yeah. too. And uh, the kids are, so we have a fourth grader, uh, second grader, and then we have twins who are four. Oh, twins, oh, wow. fun. Yeah, a lot of fun, yeah. Wow. That, oh, the, and you know, God, I find that like my mom, I'm one of eight kids and she's like, after three, keep going. And they just, you know, they really stretch your, they stretch your ability to love, don't they? Right? Like they oh, yeah. give and give selflessly, selflessly. It's you amazing, know, brother. Uh, my wife comes from a family, so she has, uh, she has, three sisters and 10 brothers uh, so big family 14 but her mom always used to say that she could handle it because they all came one at a time well, that's, that's true. <laughs> but then you got the twins and it's chaos we didn't get the twins yeah <laughs> It's only only two. Well, yeah, it's just it's just two. You yeah. mentioned four that, that, that you met your wife as a missionary, but let's to back up. Talk us through why did you decide to become mm -hmm. a missionary? Maybe that ties into the parachuting story. But yeah, why why did you become a missionary? What did you have an encounter with Christ and then feel called to that? What what led you to that decision? Yeah, so it's a 
do we have, is it like a five hour version story yeah. or yes. 20 minutes? It's usually like story? a 40 minute podcast. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> Ron Part is one. the best yeah. editor. So, so I don't know if it's a good, um, good time I can almost so so part of a story I guess is me finding my faith so I don't know if it's a good we'd love way to hear to that. Yeah. Into that um so I, I always grew up in faith um and I was Catholic and most people in Poland especially back then were Catholic and and as it usually goes it doesn't necessarily mean everybody was a good practicing Catholic a lot of it is cultural but a lot of really good people so anyway, I used to go with my parents. Uh, you know, my mom would always take me first Friday's mass and confession. I used to go to church wow. on Sunday. And, uh, um, you know, just kind of grew up in faith. But it, it was never really serious to me, I guess you could say. Uh, it was more of a, just something you did. Um, and that, that hasn't changed until, like, the first moment. I guess you could say the way I found my faith for real, not just kind of by... Uh, by doing it out of habit, but actually finding the faith it was a kind of a set of different moments through my life. Mm-hmm. And, and it did culminate and the parish story is coming, uh, coming in handy mm-hmm. in there in a bit. But essentially the first moment that I can think of that kind of shifted my life a little bit was when my parents asked me to, or kind of suggested that I check out the Catholic high school. Uh, it was a brand new school. You know, it was wow. just one year old. Wow. And I, I wasn't really into it that much because uh, at the time I, uh, you know, I would do, it was called aggressive roll, rollerblading, which was essentially, you know, jumping on rails. And <laughs> aggressive rollerblading. Wow. That's, that's what we call that's it. That's funny. <laughs> uh, awesome. But uh, so, so I was, you know, I was wearing baggy clothes and, you know, this cool outfit, I guess you could say. <laughs> that was a, I don't know if that's what I'd call it now, but that's what I thought back mm. then. So, mm-hmm. so just the thought of wearing a uniform wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really that appealing to me, but I, you know, they convinced me to go and meet with a principal and meet with a, a chaplain priest there. And I did, they were very nice and it was a good meeting. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot and try to, yeah. uh, you know, do that. Uh, but there's an exam that you have to pass in Poland, uh, whatever high school you go to, and then you either get mm. accepted or you have to try a different high school. So I did that exam, got accepted. So that was kind of a first moment that had some weight into the journey, um, if you could say that uh, that way. And then, uh, and then from there, uh, the next kind of impactful moment was uh, it was a legionary priest who from America who was visiting. Uh, he was based out of Krakow, which is about five hours south of um, of where I grew up. The city was called Białystok, where I grew up, and he was passing through uh, with a brother from Spain. And they kind of gave a talk, and it was a really interesting talk. So uh, this is still post-communism, so it's um, you know it's it's pretty uh, homogenous society, um, and you have this person from you know America, and he's speaking in uh, English in wow. with American accent, you know, amazing. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, this brother from Spain, so it was very cool, very interesting. And then they gave this talk about missions in Italy and retreats and different uh, programs that they had. And then they left at the end of a speech, they left a little um, questionnaire. And it was like, would you be interested in missions in Italy? Would you be interested in retreats? Would you be interested in finding more about this? And I was like, no, 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 oh, no. no. <laughs> so I, I thought it'd be funny because it all sounded really cool. So I'll be fine. Check, just check no. Uh, but uh, three of my best friends, uh, it was Maciek, um, Adam, and Shimon, uh, they, they were interested. And they ended up kind of jumping mm. on board and doing retreats and doing uh, missions in Lithuania. And they kept nudging me about it, kept talking to me about it and you know, trying to invite me. And eventually I gave way uh, and I went to, uh, I went on a retreat uh, to one of the seminaries that they had. It was in Austria, beautiful mm-hmm. area, in Badminster Eiffel. 
And wow. it was very, it was very cool. Uh, I was very impressed by, uh, you know, Father Stever is just this very genuine person, uh, very humble. I was very impressed by that. And um, so that was kind of a, how I, that was my first introduction into that kind of missionary work. Uh, and then from there, I started to do more within that movement. And we started meeting weekly with, um, with a group of my friends. And we would do, it's kind of like Bible studies. We call them encounters with Christ. And that kind of helped us grow too. Uh, but so through all this, I was, I was still into kind of crazy stuff. So I would do capoeira. Uh, for those who are not familiar, it's like martial arts. No. That's uh, it's oh. part of dancing, acrobatics, and martial arts. Wow. It's a lot of flips and mm. cool, cool looking stuff. Mm. Wow. Uh, so, I was, wow. so I was doing that. And, uh, you know, I was still doing some rollerblading mm. with some other friends. And I really, really, really wanted to jump uh, to skydive. And I think I, I think mm -hmm. I uh, mentioned earlier, I think that was 16. I yeah. don't know if I was 16, maybe. I think I was 16. It was the so sophomore freshman, uh, sophomore. I think it was sophomore. Uh, so the, the, the earliest age I could sign up for it, I signed up for it and I had to get permission from my parents. So in order to be able to jump, uh, they do an EEG. Uh, it's a little, uh, they hook you, hook your head up with a bunch of wires and then make sure that wow. your brain won't shut off while you're falling. Oh so, you, you know, you don't die. Oh my. Uh, so, so a little kind of a, uh, preface to this. So right before I signed up for the, for the skydiving and had that study done, I was rollerblading with my friends and we were in a very sketchy area of a city. And then when we finished, we jumped in a car. It was, there were three of us and eight guys mm -hmm. approached the car. Oh. And then uh, they wanted to steal the car and steal everything we had. So the first thing, you know, two guys come from one side and they got my backpack. Wow. I had a video camera in the backpack. So I grabbed the backpack and tried to hold on to it while they're pulling it. Two Whoa. other guys are on the other side. Three guys are pulling up stuff from a trunk. So they're pulling on that backpack and I'm not letting go because there's a video camera in it. And, you know, it's the mini DV VHS, you know, whatever. So, yeah. uh, so I jump in the backseat and the third guy comes in and he starts pummeling my forehead. Oh no. Uh, and I remember at the time even thinking how it was really strange because he could have just, you know, hit me once you know, anywhere else and I'd be done, but he just kept pummeling my forehead. Um, and then anyway, just to make the long story short, they did end up, we, we did end up uh, chasing them kind of away. They, they ran off. Um, but I had that study done to skydive and there was some abnormality in part of my brain that disqualified me from being able to skydive. Oh no. And Whoa. I was, I was so bummed. I was so, yeah. Cause it was, you know, it was, it was really something that I really, really wanted to do. Yeah. So what they said is try next year again and, uh, or try in six months again. And then, um, and then we'll see how it goes. So six months later, mm -hmm. I go do a study again and they say, it's still there. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you know, you won't be able to jump. So, you know, I'm, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I want to try one more time six months after that. And then, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So six months later, I go and I'm sitting or laying in the bed. They have those wires hooked up and they're doing the study. And I say this prayer, I, I tell, uh, I say, God, let me jump a couple of mm. times and my life is yours. Whoa. So that's the, that's the prayer I said, uh, which is uh, kind of also leads to this, you know, uh, not a conclusion, but kind of, I guess I kind of thought how, uh, you know, be careful what you ask God uh, to <laughs> and how you ask. Uh, oh. So to jump forward, uh, I, I get the, 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 uh, the, this exam comes out good and I'm able to jump. So I go to the school, show them the paperwork, sign me up. It's like three days training. 
Uh, and I, I'm, they give me an option so I can jump on an old parachute. It's like World War II era, maybe a little bit later, wow. but it's the round canopy. You can steer it. It's the huge, you know, like 30 pound thing you have up front for your reserve and a huge parachute you have on your back. So I can jump 20 times on that, or I can jump three times on a Skywing, which is a modern parachute. So, so I'm like, of course, I'm gonna jump 20 times for the same oh price, gosh. not three times and something that's safe. <laughs> Quantity over so, quality. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, uh, so I so I obviously choose the one that uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody choose. Uh, and and again, to make a long story short, because it is a long story, but uh, you know, the, the the first day it's a lot of three days of training and telling you know they all tell you what happened to people before you. Don't do this or you die. Don't do this or you break this. You know, tell you all those things to make sure you know what to do. And uh, so we go on a plane, I jump once and the landing is, and, and I used to jump, uh, you know, doing the capoeira and parkour, I would, my friends of mine would jumping off the buildings and stuff like first story or first and story. And, and this was way worse. I mean, everything mm. hurt. Uh, so, mm. so then I go jump second time. And one of the things that they teach you in those round canopy parachutes that you can't really steer is you're not supposed to try to stand when you land. Uh, you're supposed to fall uh. down to the ground and you know, me being me, there was a guy who jumped mm. before me on a sky wing, and I saw him on like, a tippy toe landing. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy who's gonna land this parachute. Oh no! Oh. So I'm gonna be the guy who's gonna land and stand. Uh, so I jump out wow. and I try to stand, and I broke my ankle badly. Oh, no. uh, I mean, it, it twists. It's, uh, it's, it's like a boot wrapped in tape. Uh, you know, they really oh. make secure your ankles, and and it bends so hard, you almost put like a little tore through my to my boots on the side of my ankle so anyway so i got two jumps uh that you know the couple i asked for that's what i got a couple of jumps um, retros yeah, wow. retrospectively looking wow yeah and then uh so so that was funny that so that's that's um you know i keep coming back because that's stuck in my head how i ask how i you know that prayer let me ask a couple times yeah. when my life is yours uh so after that uh, and uh, feel free you know, if I'm rambling too much, I know it's not three hours, but no, uh, that's so, an amazing story, brother. Keep going. So after that, uh, you know, I, the, the, the biggest moment that I can pinpoint as far as finding that fire, like lighting that faith on fire, uh, it was actually a prayer and it was a prayer that, mm. that was after, after that whole, um, you know, the, the parachute jumping, there was maybe this was maybe like a year later, or maybe it was, I think it was uh, junior, um, maybe beginning of senior year, uh, there was this prayer that I've always tried to do, not always, but, uh, you know, during that time I tried to do, it and I couldn't get myself to do it. Uh, it, it was just a, I found it to be a really hard prayer. And it was the prayer asking God that offering, offering to God that, um, that I do what he wants, not what I want. Mm -hmm. Essentially it's a, it's the prayer from Gethsemane, may your will yes. be done, not mine. And it's surprisingly wow. difficult prayer for me, at least it was to say it sincerely. Um, I think maybe in part because we have this preconceived notion that when you, when you, when you say this prayer, you're praying for vocation, and we associate vocation with only priesthood or religious life. Mm. And I, I was really afraid of that. I really didn't want uh, to be a priest. Uh, right. So, and, and you know, and, uh, but but interestingly, you know, retrospectively. Uh, that you know, you know, vocation isn't just uh, obviously praying for vocation doesn't mean that you're going to be a priest. Obviously, God, God calls us to do uh, different things, uh, whether it's a husband or a father or uh, you know even a bachelor or mm -hmm. to work. 
so anyway, so I, I've, I've tried the prayer, let, let your will be done, not mine. And I tried to say it sincerely. And, and I had really hard times with it. And, you know, one day that, uh, next to the school, the Gothic high school that I went to, there was a, this beautiful neo-Gothic cathedral. It was also where I would go for Sunday masses. And wow. I'd go there maybe once or twice a week after school and just pray. So one of those times, uh, you know, I went there. And again, I had this, you know, I, I just felt this internal need to, to say this prayer, but I was really finding it difficult to say it. Uh, but, you know, I... Um, and I was really kind of uneasy about it and event, and I did, and it was this time when I did say that prayer. So I did say, may, may your will be done, not mine. And it was this instantaneous, uh, incredible peace and, um, wow. and joy. It was palpable. Wow. It was, it was one of those things that, um, I haven't really experienced, uh, since it was, it was very palpable. Uh, and I think this was really the turning moment, you know, having that peace and realizing that doing God's will doesn't mean that you have to be a priest necessarily, even though going forward, I actually, I actually put that on the table because I, I just decided that even though I know, I, I feel like I don't want to do it. I know that if God wants me to do it, that, that this is, this is the pathway to happiness and to saving souls. And, um, so from there, um, I got even more involved in the Reagan Christie mm -hmm. movement. And one of the uh, programs that they have is the, is the, it's a program to spend a year on a missionary work. And they'll send you, uh, they can send you to various places. Uh, usually, I think they, they try to keep you within the same country. Sometimes they send you a different country. I actually asked to go to Spain um, wow. uh, when, I, when I did decide to go. Uh, but it, that, that wasn't an easy decision either, because um, I remember still trying to rationalize and having this internal battle of, mm. well, it's, you know, it's right after high school. Is that really what God wants me to do? Should I really, um, you know, is it maybe smarter to go to college first, get a degree? It's going to be dif difficult if I go after high school and come back and have to, you know, like find myself again in a school environment. So it's kind of difficult in that sense. Uh, and uh, somebody suggested I, I talk to, uh, he's, he was another guy about my age who was one of the first people who did a year on missions from Poland mm -hmm. through Regan Christie. And there was another, uh, his name was uh, Piotr Plata. And uh, he was another, he probably doesn't even know it, but uh, I, I don't remember if I talked to him or if it was via email, but his response was uh, just a couple words. I told him why I was thinking about doing it why uh why i thought i shouldn't do it and uh his response was essentially if you're thinking about doing it do it have you considered that it's the holy spirit putting the thoughts in your head and the moment Thanks, he said God. it it clicked it it just clicked and again it was this not as intense as uh during that earlier prayer um but it was this moment of peace where i was like yeah yeah this is I want to do it. This is great. So it's like, first you had to make peace with being open to doing God's will and then having that nudge to realize, well, then what, what is that? And he helped you see that maybe this is the thing that God is calling you to. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God puts those people in a path. I feel like it's crazy thinking back how uh, it's, it's almost impossibly crazy when you look back at your life and think how many things had to happen a certain way for you to be where you are. Yeah. I got to give a, a quick shout out, Merrick, to all of, well, to your mother. What's her name? 
Uh, Marilla, but she goes by Eugenia. She goes by mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I can pronounce. <laughs> um, hey, really, really briefly, this from the book of Proverbs, like wisdom in the Old Testament, one of the beautiful images given for wisdom is a woman of the Lord, a, a wonderful wife and mother. Just a couple verses. She opens her mouth in wisdom and on her tongue is kindly counsel. I just picture your mom saying to you, let's go, let's go to the Friday first devotion, the first Fridays. And she watches the conduct of her household. Her children rise up and praise her. This is from Proverbs 31. Her husband too extols her. Many are the women of proven worth, but you have excelled them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a reward of her labors. And let her works praise her at the city gates. And I think you are such a beautiful example of the reward of your mother's labors, bringing you to this, trying to instill the faith in you. And then you having the encounter, the skydiving swap, I will call it from here on out. Like, give me a few jumps, I'll give you my life. Like, gee, I, I, bet, I wonder if that's ever happened before. I just picture Jesus saying I know, right? <laughs> I have the same thing, Father Patrick. Wow, that moment, God would have been like, I'll take that deal any day. <laughs> yeah, just too oh, easy. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. And then the gift of uh, the gift of hearing, you know, that your friend or the person you reached out to being able to, to help you discern which thoughts are from God, which ones are not. And would you say that since then, you know, that time once that happened and then your missionary work that 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 helped you to begin to be aware that God speaks to me through inspired thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Those inspired thoughts could be ours or somebody, something coming from somebody else speaking to us, that sort of thing. It's powerful though that that played a pivotal moment in your life somebody was able to point out hey that may be the holy spirit speaking to you so what did becoming a missionary how did that affect your walk with the lord uh you know greatly uh that uh the first year when i came here in the u.s uh that was 2002 um and uh, my assignment if you will was working mostly with parishes uh, we were working out of everest academy here in clarkston and i was working so with, you, came, you uh, were sent here I was sent here. Yeah, I was sent to Detroit. Great. Yeah, that's how I ended up here. Exactly. Uh, and so it was Father Juan, uh, uh, Juan uh, Guerra. Oh, uh, he was yeah. the, do you, do you know? Yeah, yeah, the yeah center now. Yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy yeah. priest climbing volcanoes, and you know, he he he's <laughs> just a man right up my uh, right up my heart. Oh, that's great. I mean, he does. He loves all the crazy stuff. Ah. Uh, but I was working with him for a year, and we did a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, humanitarian work uh, we did. Uh, we put together missions to Mexico uh, to uh, build uh, build couple houses. Uh, we put couple posadas, uh, which are kind of Christmas parties for underprivileged uh, families in the, a few areas in Detroit, Emily City, and I think Waterford, if I remember right. Uh, we did um, some outreach, so we would go to universities and. Um, Kind of put out a little section questions about Catholicism, and students could just stop and talk. So it was a lot of things like that. But the most impactful um, experience wasn't necessarily experiencing doing all those things. It was um, it was the prayer life that um, that I kind of arrived at through the diary of San Sister Faustina. Oh, nice. Oh. That was um, if if you've uh, if you've read the diary, it's um, I mean it's just truly incredible. Uh, so I spent a lot of time um, a lot of time reading it and reflecting on it and praying. And one of the uh, kind of experiences again uh, doing things was was great and it was a great experience. But those the, the process um, 
that you arrive at, um, at those places through is um, like through prayer. I feel like left, left a more impactful um, imprint on my faith life. So for example, uh, there's one like a little mini story. Uh, we were putting uh, together one of the posadas and I was having trouble finding uh, people to donate uh, food and drinks uh, for the, you know, for the, for the party when the kids come and they get some gifts. And I think I must have called, this is back on a, uh, back in a yellow pages. Face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I must have gone through the without exaggeration maybe 100 companies or 80 companies and they were all no's like nobody was really interested and uh, i don't know if this is a plug if i say it you can, you can <laughs> edit it out but uh better made potato chips uh they mm. so i so i got no's from everybody and i left a bunch of voicemails and then i went and i think i prayed for i don't know a, a, a very extensive amount of time maybe like two hours or three hours in the chapel just wow. kind of almost hurting and and i then i went back and i checked the voicemail it was a voicemail from i think it was the owner i think he passed away since and he donated food and drinks for uh, all three parties wow oh yes praise the lord so that was one of the most powerful experiences on your in your missionary time was that's an example of it was wasn't so much what what i did or what we did but it was watching the lord work and watching him work through being in the intimacy with him yeah you realize that um that by yourself you can do things but um but with god you you really can do things like things can really be done and yeah. it's that, that was a big lesson for sure you are a great walking and talking illustration of the our father thy kingdom come thy will be done like your whole experience of the abundant life of god through surrender and then through prayer intimacy with god experiencing like when i pray he really does move the mountains and the gift of his presence. And man, you drop sister Faustina <laughs> divine mercy that the dialogue like that, that's just like a beautiful opening of your heart to like anybody who's read even portions of it. It's a great invitation into the, to the intimate encounter with the mercy of Jesus. Just, just awesome. Merrick. Emily, what are you thinking? I'm ball. No, you're Sorry. great. No, I think it's so beautiful how missionaries in particular people who are giving that to like full-time missionary work learn to depend on god for so many things you know i've have met with missionaries who are fundraising to just for their basic living expenses so they can go and serve the lord in their work or um asking the lord to provide for the work you're able to do like providing food to these people that you've been called to serve um and obviously people who are full-time missionaries who have done had experience with that mm-hmm. they've they learned to do that because that that is key to being a missionary is to depend on the Lord to provide for the work that you do. But I was thinking about how, while you had that full-time experience, a lot of people listening to, I mean, I guess everyone listening to this podcast is called to be a joyful missionary disciple. And that even for those of us who are not at this time are called to being that that missionary in that more traditional sense can still learn so much from people who have had those deep dive experiences to learn to depend more on the Lord to provide for wherever we are called to serve in our families or in our communities. And so just what a beautiful reminder that I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who are involved in planning planning something for their family or at their parish who needs mm. like needs help needs something to come through to make it happen mm. and what a beautiful reminder to return to prayer and just turn it over to god that if it's his will it totally will so thanks for sharing that specific story you know we talk we hear all these oh, journeys yeah. but i think those specific examples um are really just beautiful and uh, a great witness to what we're all called to in our lives as joyful missionary disciples. 
Hallelujah. It brings us to present moment, yeah. Merrick. How, how are you walking? We know you're a married man with four children, and, and I believe you have a, your own photography company. But yes. just tell us about life with Jesus as a missionary in this, this day and age in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, having kids, that, that changes life immensely, um, uh, especially with twins. Uh, you know, they're four <laughs> years old, but we're kind of a, you know, barely remember the last four years. It's, it's a blur. Oh, no. uh, so we... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I, one of my big focuses is of, um, on trying to raise the kids to raise them in faith. Um, and even more so, uh, especially the older, my, my older boys and, you know, when twins are older, uh, I'll probably do the same thing. But I'm trying to prepare them for that moment um, in their life sometime in the future where, um, where they also, when they might question uh, you know, does God exist? Does... So that's been kind of an important thing to me because it's also, I didn't mention it, but it was a part of uh, my journey. So I ended up doing two years uh, doing the unpaid missionary work and then they offered mm. me a job. Uh, so mm. between my first and second year, I was actually, you know, thinking how I'm doing all those things. Uh, you know, does God exist? You know, what if he doesn't? And it was... Um, and I, I did a lot of listening and reading back then, you know, and St. Thomas Aquinas and Peter Kreeft, they played a big role oh. in, in helping me arrive at I, the, the way, the way I'm wired, yeah. maybe because I'm introverted, I'm very analytical with some things and I mm -hmm. needed, uh, I needed to reason through my faith. Um, and, uh, so some of those things were, uh, really important to me. So same with, with my kids, you know, we obviously, uh, we all obviously talk about faith a lot and about what it means to be Catholic. Uh, and, um, but I also try to bring, um, you know, talk to them, uh, like they're adults about something. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll mention, I'll mention first mover and, um, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to, I'll try to explain a little bit more. Uh, about about the faith uh, than just a, just a surface level of, of things a little bit more in a you know from a little bit more philosophical yeah. perspective and then one of the most important things to me uh, has also been um, you know trying to treat other people like individuals um, there's obviously there's there's always been division always that's just the nature of, of humanity you know and a free will um, but it does feel like the, the division has been strong lately. And, mm. you know, I, I've been reflecting on, uh, you know, how Jesus said, um, you, they will know uh, you're my disciples uh, by, the law, by your love for each other. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought about it. You know, that, that's a really kind of heavy, uh, heavy thing to say. Because so if, if we don't love one another does that mean we're not your disciples which you know that's a very kind of heavy realization for me it was um so it's it's a struggle but it's um because i'm introverted for me a lot of uh, uh a lot of the approach has always been personal so i always try to talk to people uh in person whether it's taking them out for a beer and then talking about the existence of universe and existence of god and over beer um or uh you know just just trying to show him love and as best I, I can, because, um, you know, I'm not that great, but you know, I try talking about um, the existence yeah. of God over, over beer sounds very oh, Aquinas -y to me. <laughs> it's beautiful. Praise the Lord. Merrick. I love, I love your testimony and how you're, you're really focused in on these amazing projects. Um, 
you know, continuing to be passionate in your relationship with the Lord and loving your wife and your children and helping, helping them to grow, especially, you know, helping your children to grow, to get ready, to be able to make the faith thrown as rational creatures. We do have to question things. It's like, that's how we make things our own by thinking through it. And I just love that the God who designed us to be able to question is also the God who designed us to have these things in our brain happen that make us feel emotion. And he meets us on every line, you know, and uh, your, your testimony, brother, is beautiful. And we love what you're, out, what you're doing. And I pray that the listeners are inspired by, uh, by your focus in your life to continue to love with the very love of Jesus. One last little thing out of me is, you know, you're so right about the day and age we live in. And yeah, the nature of humanity. I mean, the first murder was Cain killing his brother Abel. So there's been strife from the get-go once sin hit the, hit the planet. And uh, righteous anger is good. It helps us. It can drive us to action. It can, it can help us to intercede and prayer is powerful. But I've been finding in my life that like, if my anger, which can be righteous to start off, if it isn't baptized in prayer, it can, it can go south. And then, you, then we just start, I get division of my own mind and my own heart. And what the thing from your testimony about surrender and that abundant peace you felt, that radiant love you felt in the church, man, like surrendering our anger, surrendering our frustration um, and continuing to continue to focus on the heart of Jesus and his love. And you're a beautiful witness of that to us, brother, in, in your testimony today. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I agree. It's, it has been so powerful and inspiring to just, and a great reminder for all of us of the ways that we can open ourselves to whatever God's will be. I think if, if everyone listening can take to prayer tonight or at some point in their day, whenever they're listening to this, you know, okay, God, like not my will, but yours or whatever it is you're asking for. I think, uh, the, the church in Southeast Michigan will be better for it after listening to that and being inspired to do that in this episode. So we're so grateful to you, Mark, for sharing your story with us today. What, what an incredible journey you've been on from Poland to here and, uh, praise God that you were sent to the Archdiocese of Detroit to serve and that you're still here. What it's a gift to have you here. Um, working on different projects. So Father Patrick, can, should we close in prayer soon? Merrick, I'm going to alley-oop it to you for prayer. And if you wouldn't mind, I just want to invite you to, to pray that everybody listening would be given the grace to have a love for the prayer of surrender that I'm yours. And just a quick reminder to friends out there that in Luke chapter 22, it's when Jesus was praying that, Father, if you are willing to take this cup away from me, you know, let it be still, not my will, but yours be done. And it was in that prayer of surrender in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Luke says that he prayed so fervently that his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. And surrender does cost us. Sometimes it's agonizing. But as Merrick's testimony uh, gives us true witness to is that that's how we step into the abundant life. Merrick, thanks for your testimony. We want to pitch it to you to take it out. Take us out in prayer, pal. Jesus, we ask you that those listening, um, uh, if they're uh, if they're struggling with with life choices or if they're struggling with their faith, that they may find something that they might be inspired inspired by um, through the conversation that we've had, and that uh, that you give strength to uh, to them, um, so that that may be that they may be able to follow your will, and so that uh, they might find uh, the joy and happiness and purpose in that. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Faustina. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. Pray for us. And St. Anne. Pray for us. Pray for us. Uh, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we share stories of joyful missionary disciples living out their faith in Southeast Michigan. You can find more episodes like this at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See y'all. Keep surrendering. It leads to more love and freedom. Woo!